Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and Ohio for all y'all listening to the anime podcast of some sort. It's so good to have you here and listening to us talk sweetly into your little ear holes. I'm Jack D. Tyler D., otherwise known as Jack Dalton Allistar, Jack Noir, and all kinds of jackals and jecks and other kinds of things. I'm joined by the incomparable king of the podcasts, David Majors. How's it going, David? What's up, Jack? How's it going? <clears throat> it is fantastic. No, no, you sound a little... Oh, boy. I, I'm, I'm a little... I've got a little bit of a throat in my frog, as you can hear, everybody. What's up? Welcome to the podcast. And uh, it, it's another... <clears throat> It's another podcast. We're doing this again, and I'm going to try and soldier through for you, the A Posse. And before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to the crew over at It's In Season, both Cody and Shay. For whatever reason, they caught whatever I've got through the interwebs, so we're all kind of struggling <laughs> through everything, and, in, and there will be a new episode of It's In Season coming out soon, so... Once we can all talk and function, that will be out soon. But Jack, I'm hoping that you don't catch whatever it is I have through the series of tubes. But in the meantime, in between time, let's talk about Japanese stuff. Let's indeed talk about Japanese stuff. Just as a little uh, quick shout out to a, a quick product that I found. Maybe for those of you who are also feeling like David and the crew of It's In Season, a little under the weather, a little uh, throat in your frog, as he puts it. Genki Su, Japanese drinking vehicle, is out on the market and it is delicious and palatable for those of you who aren't crazy like me, who do a lot of voice stuff and want to just drink straight apple cider vinegar. Just listen. Ah, it's delicious, and I was totally not sponsored to talk about it. It's just Japanese, and I thought I'd mention it. Let's just jump right in. Uh, Crunchyroll. Oh, boy, Crunchyroll. Have we gone a week, David, without talking about Crunchyroll? It's, you know, when it comes to Crunchyroll, they're the ki the gift that just keeps on giving. And it looks as though they're they're getting quite a bit back in return, aren't they? They certainly are. So uh, this year, uh, Crunchyroll has announced that it is partnering with Left Field Media to launch a new anime convention. And uh, David, you want to maybe uh, have a little little guess, a little survey says, Family Feud. Uh, what do you think that this uh, Crunchyroll com convention might be called? Any guesses? Well... I originally thought that it would be called CrunchyCon, but when I did a quick Google of that, it was nothing of the sort at all. Oh, dear God, no. Don't no. Google CrunchyCon. Don't do it. Don't Ooh. do it. Listen to, you, listen to your boy DJM, everybody. Don't do it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the second option, especially given that it is in California, and say that it is called the Crunchyroll Expo. That is indeed correct. And, uh, wow, David, I thought you had safe search on. Hmm. Well, Crunchyroll Expo is the name of this convention, and it will be from August 25th to the 27th in Santa Clara, California, at the Santa Clara Convention Center. 
There's a website available for you to take a look at if that uh, piques your interest. Basically, www.crunchyrollexpo, right there in black and white. Pretty straightforward and simple. Um, now, they're planning on featuring other partners and publishers from the anime industry. You know, they've got their hands in a lot of pockets when it comes to that kind of stuff. But nothing really specific comes to mind. Uh, they haven't mentioned anything. I'm pretty sure, 100% sure, Funimation is going to get on board with that. Because, you know, hashtag stronger together. Uh, but they, uh, they mentioned uh, the director of events, Adam Sheehan has uh, spoken a little bit on their aims for the convention. Uh, they want to follow a different model from other anime conventions, uh, citing things such as BlizzCon, PAX, E3. He says, You're going to see some things that have not been done before at anime cons, some things that have been done but we're going to do differently, and some of the fan favorites that people continue to enjoy brought back either in different ways or more broadly and more extensively for the fans so when i hear that i think the main thing and especially thinking of the fact that this is crunchy role we're talking about viewing viewing parties you know uh, viewing screenings and all that kind of stuff probably gonna be center stage what do you think david uh, not just viewing parties and, and those types of things. Uh, when I read this piece and it mentioned BlizzCon, PAX, South by Southwest, and E3, I definitely got a vibe of what this is going to be. This is definitely going to be more of a trade show convention, which you see outside in other nerdy fandoms far more than in the anime space. Uh, this looks to be like Crunchyroll is going to try and create a convention that is more... How do I word this without it sounding uncool? More... Industry... Powered than your typical anime conventions. Uh, with a lot of anime cons, they'll have... Funimation, Crunchyroll, Viz, and the like show up, have a little booth with things they want to distribute, maybe a Q&A about a show. But what it sounds like with Crunchyroll Expo, this is going to be... This almost sounds more like, more like PAX or E3, where the big names in the industry are really going to prop this up a lot. There's going to be a lot of coverage with the major media outlets, like Viz, like Funimation, uh, maybe even some from Japan. This is going to be very media-heavy, and maybe not necessarily fan-centered, because there's already tons of that uh, in the anime convention space. Uh, but the second part of this story, Jack, is even more interesting. It's, it's the fact that Crunchyroll, uh, I think we can all agree, the day that Crunchyroll went legit was probably the greatest decision ever. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree, David. <laughs> it's a big day in anime and uh, kind of bringing it more into a mainstream, uh, more approachable uh, 
how do I word this? I, I think just the day the day that Crunchyroll went legit is the day that anime became slightly more mainstream. It went a little bit hard on the scale there to towards mainstream. And now here we are at the fact where uh, the story continues is that from the press release from Crunchyroll, uh, they have reported over one million paid subscribers. That is incredible. And it says fans spend billions of minutes per month on the Crunchyroll platform. That is incredible. Because this is a niche, and I'm going to see if I can get my buddies over at Cord Killers to catch this press release and see if they might mention it when it comes to Crunchyroll. Uh, and the fact that here is something that is anime, J-drama, and K-drama, and manga, something that is very, very much in its own space, having over 1 million paid subscribers. Paid! And 20 million registered users. Crunchyroll is printing money with their titles. They're they're doing just about everything the right way, as you might say. And it is literally paying off for them. And yeah, for a, a site like Crunchyroll to have 1 million paid subscribers. And given that they have a monthly prescription base, uh, subscription base... That's a lot to rake in, but like they're they're doing really well overall. I agree, and this is some fantastic news because it goes to show you, David, that even if maybe what do you want to guess, like maybe eight hundred to a thousand of those are maybe a spam account for one reason or another. At the very least, that leaves you with uh, eighteen million. Uh, no, I did my math wrong. Well, whatever. There's millions of people watching anime right now. Millions. That's and not how it felt in the past. It's even just a couple of years ago. Just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only time people you, you would go consider... And you log into... uh, sorry, I was just going to say that the only time you would consider the idea that millions, plural of people were watching anime was when it was still on Cartoon Network weekdays mm-hmm. or when it was still on Saturday mornings. And there was a while where it seemed like anime had kind of recessed back into its little hole in the wall. And now that little hole in the wall has grown and grown and grown to this, where it is, it's as big and as formidable as any other niche genre out there. Yep. That makes it less of a, it definitely has the less of a stigma. I think there's still going to be those kind of people, but I think Crunchyroll is making some big strides in kind of reducing that that stigma of anime being a a strange and, uh, you know, unfamiliar and sometimes even downright risque or inappropriate kind of media experience but you know david there are some of those uh there's there's some very oh, uh, outlying one quick areas. thing jack one mm-hmm. quick thing jack um crunchyroll expo is in august 
It is in your home state of Santa Cl- of California. I know you live <laughs> in the the northern part uh, as opposed to the southern part. Uh, are you going to consider checking out this big Crunchyroll event? Are you are you thinking about it? Oh man, I, you know I thought about it, and then I remembered that I also wanted to go to San Diego Comic Con, and that conventions cost lots, lots of money. Of money. But if I if I do. Uh, decide that maybe for um, you know for the sake of APOS and maybe even um, writing for for our neighbors of neighbors of neighbors anime outsiders a little something about CrunchyCon um, I may just I'm I'm usually not this kind of person I'm really not I like to work for my money more on that later much later but uh, I think David if if uh, CrunchyCon was to become a thing I'd probably send up a GoFundMe because it looks really unlikely at this time anyway as of as of February mid-February and that's always subject to change but it looks really unlikely to to, uh, make that trip uh, at least alone. I tend to travel uh, convention wise with at least four or five other people because then we're able to kind of tackle the cost together because you know 60 bones for a hotel room is a much more doable thing than 200 for two days for yourself. No doubt. And then no you doubt. all get, you know, a little section of your suite, really nice stuff. Uh, really, that's that's all I have to say is uh, number one rule when it comes to cons, con new goers and, uh, you know, maybe even some veterans that just have way too much money is just go with friends because it makes it more fun and it's cheaper. It go really is. It, it is better that way. Go with friends and make mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Now, Jack, Speaking of friends, I, I guess I guess you have yes. something yes. involving some friends of yours that we just talked about last episode. Yeah, a couple things actually, uh, and uh, boy, I need to question my friends. I really, really do because um, the same friend who I believe was remained nameless at the last time, but I will now name him Patrick. Patrick. Um, kind of, kind of took me to the side, and uh, you know, he watches a bunch of stuff. Like he watches the Common Rider uh, shows right now, which I think is really cool. And I've watched a few of those with him. I just kind of, you know, like you know, turn down for what? Just go with him. What the hell? It sounds like a good plan. He'll nothing always, wrong with Common Rider. Always have some weird thing on television. Hmm. Nothing wrong with Common Rider whatsoever. I always enjoy spending time in his place. And, you know, we knock back a few cold ones and everything is a jolly and fantastic time. Well, about four or five of us got crammed in. But before everybody else showed up, he come, he brings me aside and he says, hey, I want you to watch something. And I'd had a few already. And I said, sure, that sounds like a great idea. So he brings me over to his, uh, his, his flat screen. It's all hooked up to his Wii U. He accesses. Crunchyroll, and he plays me a little something. He plays me Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. That's oh, right, ladies we and gentlemen. Go. We're going to take a little continuity nod, and we're going to talk about the anime that we trashed without knowing a single thing about it. I Which never happens on an anime podcast ever. <clears throat> we, I never intended to watch this anime. I don't know about you, David. I really didn't. 
maybe there was a part of you that went, oh, I'm morbidly curious, and maybe eventually, maybe gets in seat. No. No. But I'll tell you one thing. I did have a good time, but that's only because I was drunk. I plead the drunk card. That's all I'll say. Because this show is really fun if you are absolutely smashed and are riffing on it with another friend. And he knew. I I will give Patrick the benefit of the doubt. He is not a bad guy. And I knew that he, at some level, did not think that this was the be-all, end-all of anime. But I could tell, at least for certain aspects, he was enjoying himself conventionally. Not enjoying it in the sense of, this is terrible. And it's hilarious that it is. So, David, I'm going to bring you a little bit through this. There were four episodes available to watch for sub. And we did watch the first episode dubbed because that's what was available thus far from Funimation. It is not... You know, here's the thing. I like the titular character, not the Dragon Maid, but Miss Kobayashi. She is... uh, God, I forgot exactly what she does, but she does some kind of mergers and acquisition type of thing. She is a standard Japanese working stiff. She is, you know, very much to herself, kind of keeps to herself, but she doesn't mince her words. She's just kind of a normal chick, and that's cool. And uh, she gets smashed one day walking home, and it's the middle of the night, and she sits in front of this apparently Uh, There's a dragon statue in town that nobody knows why it's there, but, you know, whatever, dragon statue because plot. And she just kind of sits down and drunkenly talks at it and says, you should come on with me. And it does, because that was an ancient dragon that was felled in the Crusades. Yes, the Crusades. They brought the crusades into this and made up a bunch of garbage using familiar terminology that they don't know about because they're not European. An anime well, talked about Jack, Yggdrasil and all you kinds know, of crap. No one, Jack, no one ever respects the Spanish Inquisition. Not even an anime. Not even an anime. Um, oh god. And the, the dragon is a terrible design. It's fat. We kept riffing on the fact it was fat. Every time it went on screen, awkwardly flying with its fat ass, we would just kept going, fat dragon, fat dragon. And uh, there are more dragons. There are more dragons, David. Uh, and the opening is an acid trip, and everybody in that opening needs to calm down. And the dragon, the dragon maid, Toru, has... Number one, the stupidest horns I've ever seen on any dragon. And when she is in in human form, uh, they don't they don't apply to, you know, basic laws of space and mass because she'll lean on a pillow and you'll have a shot of her on the side on her side sleeping and she's lying on a pillow. But her horns go out like maybe five or six inches that's not how horns work, I would assume, he said, not knowing if he had horns or not. And uh, there's maybe four or five other dragons, and they're all named after some, uh, you know, arbitrary characters that Japan didn't research when it comes to mythology, Norse mythology and that kind of stuff. And um, they range from these particular archetypes. Uh, 
your typical capable blue-haired, blue-eyed, adorable anime girl, a purple-haired five-year-old lolly who has some kind of a crush on Toru, the main dragon maid, uh, who also... So this purple-haired lolly has the most stupidest tail I've ever seen. It is a thin, thin lilac-colored line with like what looks like a cat toy on the end. Very, very stupid-looking. Very stupid-looking. There's one, one guy. He dresses like a... He basically looks like a complete carbon copy of the main character from Black Butler. So do with that what you... However... He was also one of my favorite characters because he just sat and played Dark Souls once he discovered what video games were and said nothing. He'd rather have watched video games and played them instead of engaging in the stupid and banal conversations everybody else was having. The story of my life. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, my least favorite character uh, who is voiced by Jamie Markey. And I really want that stop. I, I want that to stop. I'm, you know... Friend of the show, I, I Jamie. Usually, Markey. don't outright say. Hmm? Friend of the show, oh, Jamie Markey. Friend of the show, Jamie Markey. <laughs> I really just, at, at the very least, I want nothing to just sound like the same Jamie Markey voice because it's always the same Jamie Markey voice. Come on, come on, and it's this rainbow-haired. Uh, she's got watermelon tits, David. They're not. They're they're too big to be attractive. You know, if we're talking in the challenge acceptance of attractiveness of drawings, just look at it. You're not you're smart. You're a smart man, David. You are a smart man and our listeners are smart. And if you look at this, even your basest, most carnal desires are not going to be fettered by this. It, It it's too it's too much. It is too much to be attractive. You will look at that and in your in your mind you will say that is too much for my my hands for my body for her body and for for her physical uh for for being a sapient creature with two legs that can carry things on the weight of their own skeleton no bad anime stop it i would just say if you guys are looking for a good time and you don't want to lose your soul Watch the first episode only, drunk off your ass with friends, because two of the characters, Kobayashi herself and one of her co-workers, rag, go, just, they just rag on Toru, the dragon maid, for like two whole, whole minutes. It's the greatest thing ever, and I thought the anime was almost self-aware at that point, from how completely on the nose it was. That was hilarious. But as it continued, I found myself reaching for more and more and more alcohol. And it became less fun and more of a cry for help. And then everybody else arrived and the rest of the anime episodes that were available were finished. And I really, really, really wanted to cry. So if you really need something bad to riff on and you have a half an hour and you have some drinks... Grab some friends, stick to the first episode, and have a jolly little chuckle. But don't go past it because it's stupid. It is absolutely an insult to intelligence of a decent anime watcher. Which sounds like an oxymoron, but as David and I will attest, is not. 
Absolutely not. Jack, I have to say, when an anime is entertaining enough to where it can be helped by being intoxicated, that is normally a good thing. But Mm. if an anime drives you to drink further, that is what the kids call problematic. So Mm. that's your take on Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. It drove Mm. you to drinking past to the point where it kept being fun. So what I'm gathering is... Dragon Maids. They drive to drink. In a one-sentence review, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid... It's not fun anymore. I feel mm-hmm. like that's your one sentence review. Mm-hmm. Stick to episode one, then it's not fun anymore. It's absolutely can... not fun. All right. Rock and roll. Um, I guess apparently y- you had a bounce back anime as well that we've also talked about on this podcast. Yes. Um and I, I do I do want to apologize uh for those of us who uh, for the listeners for the last week, because, you know, maybe you, you've seen Nonon Biori in, you know, the the four years it's been out. And, you know, you maybe had a little bit of a problem with what I was saying. I would like to apologize because, uh, first of all, I was being a little bit more negative on my spin of it because we had just finished talking about Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. But that being said, I have another. Another apology, which is, to the anime itself, you are actually a funny anime. And I, you know, I didn't want to admit this to myself or anybody else, because who, you know, who, what self-respecting gentleman would I be if I said, wow, you know what I really enjoyed? Non non biori. It just kind of sucks the credibility out of your sentence as you say it. But, David... Do you recall when I told you about the finger trick gag that they had in mid-episode, and that was a clip that I saw, and you just heartily chuckled? You just gave it a good chuckle. The the, I, the entirety of... I remember a chuckle. Yes. Go on. Expound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the handful of episodes I have seen of this anime uh, afterwards is actually just as funny it's not just one little on one-off joke uh that being said i still think there are some problems with it it's not the best uh it's not the most uniquely drawn anime you know animations just kind of whatever but the uh the backgrounds the scenic backgrounds are all hand painted and really really nice it is actually set in a country type town it's a small town uh, I think it's closer to Hokkaido or Kyoto. I can't remember which one, but it's a small town and it's basically this group of kiddos that are all of, uh, various ages and grades and, you know, go to different kinds of schools and they're all just kind of out of the loop when it comes to, to modern stuff. And that's where a lot of the, uh, the humor actually comes from. There's a few cultural things. There was a segment of an episode entirely reliant on dried persimmons uh but they took some they took some good uh they took some liberties with it and made some funny jokes out of it such as uh they stuck some toothpicks into one of uh, the persimmons and then carved out a little face and said it's mr persimmon jones and he's gonna 
just and another friend grabs it and says, come on, we got to dry these. We got to see his final evolution. So they take him outside and they dry them. And when you dry fruit, it'll kind of become un- lumpy and uneven. And they send it. They send a box of persimmons to a friend who hadn't participated in the persimmon drying and peeling process. And she gets Persimmon Jones and is horrified by his face because it has altered drastically through the process of drying. Jack, would you say that she was not jonesing for persimmons? I don't think she was, no. But um, But the whole show is, uh, you know, it's it's average. If you want a little ha-ha, funny chuckle, uh, I would say go for it. Uh, however, there is one thing that I still stick by that we did talk about last week, and that is the the lesbian character. Now, David, uh, we've talked we've talked talked a lot about anime tropes and two D being better than three D and all that kind of stuff. And I have to safely say that the uh, the lesbian character from Non Non Biori is not in the same field as uh, the presumably gay characters in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which are lesbian for the sake of titillation, for the audience's sake. There is okay. none of that. But what there is instead is that very, very Japanese sensibility of, I am homosexual, that makes me different from other people, and I should be ashamed and loathe myself to this character. And it is very very detrimental it's a huge distraction to her if they had just kind of kept her little uh gestures of uh kind of sweet care and thus i wouldn't even think that she was gay but because of the fact that she'll have an internal monologue of oh no oh no she's there and she's gonna talk about how much she cares about summer romance but i could never say anything because i am disgusting because of my feelings Feelings, no. Bad anime. But th- this Bad is clearly anime. something. Don't do this. Was clearly something made for a Japanese audience. That that is true. Uh, it it has a lot of that. But you know, I still found it very funny. I wouldn't say that anything is uh, so much as a cultural block because it clearly it clearly has an audience and it had some some traction. So I would say if you were looking for something just kind of mellow because it has a nice little mellow tone to it. There's a lot of uh, focus on the small town aspect and of the nature areas. Maybe give it a shot. And if it not, if it bugs you, you know, no harm, no foul. It wasn't, you know, the big upcoming uh, 27 anime season, you know. But, you know, if you need a chuckle, I'd say maybe give it a try. That's what I'd say. Non non biori. And if the name embarrasses you, I don't know what to tell you because it embarrasses me too. Non non biori. Let's watch then it ag- and forget. Then again, if if you're not at least a little bit embarrassed by something in anime at this point, you probably have other things you need to address. Mm-hmm. You know what? What anime title that I'm absolutely not embarrassed about? And not embarrassed about this anime whatsoever. By all means, Jackson. Tiger Mask W. Tiger Mask. Oh. <coughs> oh, oh no. man, not. I, I got to get through this because oh my goodness, Jack. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, may I, for for a moment? Absolutely. Uh, this Tiger is tailored mask. for you. Oh, is it ever tailored for your boy DJM? Tiger <laughs> Mask W. This anime is the crowning culmination of my theory of the Venn diagram between the anime fandom and the wrestling fandom almost being a complete perfect circle. Tiger Mask W stars a young man, Naoto Azuma, and their plot to take revenge against their enemies uh, under, of course, the world of professional wrestling, which, of course, in the anime is 100% real and legitimate, where fighting spirit matters and heels are dastardly evil, disgusting people, and baby faces and technicos are paragons of virtue. <laughs> I'm pumped already. This young man has joined New Japan Pro Wrestling, the second largest wrestling company on the planet behind World Wrestling Entertainment, and has taken on the persona of Tiger Mask W, and his friend has taken on the identity of Tiger the Dark. Oh my goodness, Tiger Mask W. My goodness. It is as if... Something converged, and there's something truly magical happening right now. Because New Japan Pro Wrestling, in late 2016 and into 2017, they have started a very conscious effort to expand their brand globally. Uh, They have a few non-Japanese stars, uh, specifically members of the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, who is in this anime, Tamatonga, Bad Luck Fale, and others, along with the actual New Japan Japanese stars, uh, Toji Makabe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the based god, and the current IWGP heavyweight champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, and so much, this is just converging on every level that Tiger Mask W is now appearing at New Japan Pro Wrestling shows. And it is wonderful because the person playing Tiger Mask W is a fantastic Japanese wrestler by the name of Kota Ibushi. For you WWE fans who watched NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic, yes, it is that Kota Ibushi. The same Kota Ibushi that tore the house down in the Cruiserweight Classic and then opted not to sign with WWE because he's a guy that just kind of likes to go do different things with his wrestling. He wrestled for an indie for a while where they did pretty much nothing but comedy stuff until New Japan threw a boatload of money at him to have a main event with Shinsuke Nakamura in the Tokyo Dome. And he's also Kenny Omega's best friend slash rival slash tag team partner. So given New Japan's global expansion, we'll see how that goes. I love how all of this is just working all together at the same time. New Japan is working on expanding their brand globally. Tiger Mask W is introducing anime fans to the incredible world of professional wrestling without Mick Mahan and his WWE. 
brand of entertainment. And it's just working so well. Even at Wrestle Kingdom in January, there was a match between Tiger Mask W and Tiger the Dark. And Tiger the Dark was played by one of the better guys on the independent wrestling scene in ACH, Attitude, Charisma, and Heart. I love everything about this, and I love everything that Tiger Mask W is, and, and the fact that with a lot of sports anime and a lot of anime that tries to do things that are not typically anime-centric, specifically sports shows, they usually don't try and replicate reality or put an anime series or an anime character into something that is something that actually exists. This is completely in the opposite direction where the Tiger Mask character has been a part of New Japan for decades. And it is also an anime, but this is the first time that I can recall that it is very much entrenched in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that is Mm. outstanding to me. It is, And the fact that New Japan is so willing to make this crossover happen and go with it and Kota Bushi being the guy that he is, probably jumped on the idea of getting to do this. It, it makes me so happy to see wrestling and anime converging in this weird, wonderful place that isn't just my own head. It, it reminds me of a... And, and I'm really showing myself here. I did a one-off wrestling fanfic called Super Happy Funtime Wrestle Show that essentially was Chikara and anime and with a splash of Doctor Who because there was a championship belt, not unlike the hardcore title that was 24-7, but it was also a title that was defended through all of space and time. The fact that now I'm seeing anime converge with wrestling and seeing the anime animate actual pro wrestlers from New Japan to the point where Toji Makabe is actually providing his own voice, and he's the only wrestler that is, but it's still awesome that he's doing that. This is incredible, and I love it, and and it makes me so happy. I want this to be on Toonami, and then I want New Japan... Well, New Japan's actually already on TV. They're on Access TV on cable, but then... Tiger Mask W being on Toonami and then having so much wrestling and anime and it it makes me happy just seeing these things And, and I know that all of my people out there that love both of these things both of these genres this magical convergence is nothing short of bliss Mm Hmm. Now, um, David, have you been keeping up with Tiger Mask W? And if so, where can the lovely people listening find uh, to find ways to watch it? Well, it's on the big mothership Crunchyroll, Jackson. Excellent. Uh, and al- also, if you're curious, uh, the fine folks over at Japanator.com are doing a regular review of Tiger Mask W. Uh, so go ahead and check out Japanator.com and their pieces on Tiger Mask W. And then 
when you're interested in seeing what happens with Tiger Mask W in New Japan Pro Wrestling, go ahead and check out njpwworld.com. Uh, it's New Japan's network site, if you will. It is only 9.99 yen, uh, depending on how that converts for you. But please check it out. New Japan is fantastic. And Jack, yes, just found this out not long before we started the show. The main event for the the tentative main event for the 45th anniversary celebration of New Japan Pro Wrestling will be the IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada taking on Tiger Mask W. Really? That's incredible. Yes. Oh man, uh, that's a really good crossover. And n- not only that, just because of the fact that it's Okada versus Kota Ibushi, so it will undoubtedly be a spectacular wrestling match. Uh, also, uh, early, later on sometime this year, there was going to be a tag team match with Okada and his manager, Ghetto, uh, taking on Tiger Mask W and Tiger Mask 4, uh, who has been the <laughs> long-standing Tiger Mask uh, of New Japan uh, before Tiger Mask W. He's been around for a few years, so it's they are very much into this crossover. It's... It's such a wonderful thing. That is incredible. Are there any, um, it's very unlikely, of course, but are there any uh, American wrestlers that you might, uh, would want to see pecked, uh, pitted against Tiger Mask W or Tiger the Dark in uh, the anime itself? Any dream matches, David? Well, I imagine that they will do something with Tiger Mask W and Kenny Omega, uh, given that so many of us uh, internet wrestling nerds know who is portraying Tiger Mask W. It will be just a little bit of a tease for when Kota Ibushi returns to New Japan and faces Kenny Omega after the uh, fantastic match he had at uh, Wrestle Kingdom in January, which is being regarded by many as possibly the greatest pro wrestling match ever uh, against Kazuchika Okada in the Tokyo Dome. And eventually, when Kota Ibushi returns to New Japan, uh, I imagine it will be he and Kenny Omega, either as a tag team or possibly as rivals. So right now, I think the obvious pick for Tiger Mask W will be Kenny Omega, the cleaner. Very nice. Before we move on, I just want to read a little bit of this synopsis for those of you who, like myself, aren't entirely versed in wrestling, uh, professional wrestling. Just I think that this really just catches the spirit of the anime and perhaps even just anime itself with this really good synopsis. It's professional wrestling is not predetermined or coordinated. It's a sporting battleground of superheroes and supervillains. Uh, Tiger Mask W looks to be quite the crowd pleaser from for wrestling fans and for just plain old anime fans. It's definitely caught my eye because as David and some of our listeners may know, I like myself a good red-blooded shonen-style adventure. I do. Fully admit it. So I might take a look at this. Crunchyroll. Streaming on Crunchyroll. Give it a shot. 
Tiger Mask W. Now, David, uh, I see here you haven't been doing your homework or what wouldn't even be really considered homework for you. Something that you really, really wanted to keep up on. You care to share yeah. with the class? Yeah, it's it's true, Jackson. Mm-mm. Since I would say back in the old days uh, when Toonami was still on Monday to Friday, uh, I've always been something of a Gundam guy. Uh, during the big boom of Dragon Ball Z in, in the early 2000s, where it was the biggest cartoon on the planet, uh, old Deej was the first kid in his high school with a Gundam Wing t-shirt. So th- this goes back deep for, for your boy. But unfortunately, I've slipped. I've slipped bad. Uh, Gundam, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans is in its second season. And I enjoyed the first season quite a bit. It was actually really good. For the second season, well, guys, I'm just going to be straight up. I haven't watched a single episode of season two. Not one. For shame. Not a one. And I, I know that a lot of you figure me as a, a Gundam guy. I'm supposed to be one of the Gundam guys on Anna Twitter. And I've just, I slipped. I slipped. And I, I've been reading some things about what they're doing with Kudelia and, and the kids. Uh, I... I'm intrigued, especially with what they're doing with Kudelia, or rather what they're not doing. And I feel like not just as someone who considers himself one of the Gundam kids, one of the Gundam collective, uh, but just someone that appreciates decent anime that's well-written and has characters that you get invested in and, and care about and mecha battles. And all of these things that make Gundam Gundam. I guess I'm just going to have to give it a binge watch and get myself caught up. Because I owe it to you, the A-Posse, to be a better Gundam fan. Because I can be a better Gundam fan. And I will be a better Gundam fan. The next episode of Anime Podcast of some sort... DJM David Jeffrey Majors will be caught up with season two of Iron Blooded Orphans. And if anybody out there catches me watching anime that isn't Iron Blooded Orphans, I want you to tweet me at just call me DJM and remind me, because I'm old and I have a tendency to forget things, to catch up on Iron Blooded Orphans. I'm going to give it a binge watch, because I binged watched a lot of anime that I don't like for reviewing and podcasting purposes i damn well should be able to binge watch one that i know i did like at least its first season i liked but then uh, people were we would talk about gundam seed destiny and how that changed from gundam seed and whoo you want to talk about one to another oh boy but from the impressions that i'm getting Season 2 of Iron Blood and Orphans is nothing of the sort. So yes, Jack, I'm going to get caught up. I'm going to atone for my slippage. You gotta understand, it's been a tough winter. I've been sick. I was in Washington, D.C. 
no excuses. I'm going to get caught up. I'm going to get caught up on Iron Blood and Orphans. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to hearing about your future opinions on that. And if any of you want to help me make sure that David is keeping true to his promises of binge watching, let's throw the hashtag at him, old man DJM, because I feel like it's been a while since I've seen that. And it's one of my personal favorites. It's There's true. Some... I am old. <laughs> I am old AF. If uh, if I ever get around to having uh, more more spare time in some quiet mo- moments at the old homestead, I'm gonna take up this delicious delicious microphone and I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna just write a cover of Old Man River, but replace it with Old Man DJM, and that'll be a fun day. It'll just be an I afternoon f- I plan for myself. I look forward to it. <laughs> so. Uh, you also have one more anime that you have a bit of a take on that is an yeah. Iron Blooded Orphans. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, this is a show. Oh, for shame. That... This is a show that we've been watching on It's in Season, but like we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, all three of us, myself, Shay, and Cody, uh, have all caught some kind of winter cold type thing. Uh, from various channels across the intertubes. I don't really know how it happened, but we all came down with it, so we had to temporarily postpone recording It's in Season for a little bit until we've all mostly recovered. But Jack, this show is catching a lot of attention, and that show is Kuzu no Honkai, a.k.a. Scum's wish uh have you heard or seen anything about this show i've heard of the lucas arts scum engine so uh to answer your question in a non-cheeky way nothing so please enlighten me david all right this particular show is going to be the topic of a lot of anime think pieces and conversations i believe in 2017 because when i first saw this show My immediate thought was, this is like a dark, bizarro version of School Rumble. Whereas, School Rumble is a romantic comedy where everyone is pants-on-head stupid. Mm. And it is a love dodecahedron, and everyone has the IQ of a sweet potato, and relationships never work. Scum's Wish, on the other hand, is something of a romantic tragedy that is also a love dodecahedron, except instead of the characters being stupid, the characters are all terrible. They're all... They're all longing for some kind of relationship with someone else, and it is causing all kinds of problems. Uh, Starting with the two main characters, Mugi and Hanabi. Uh, It's a boy and a girl in high school. They're dating one another. However, they're only dating one another out of necessity, because each of them is in (laughs) love. 
each of them is in love with somebody else. And they're only dating one another to curb their loneliness. And there are points in this show where it gets really, really uncomfortable. Especially the fact that they're both teenagers and quite a few of the characters have really gone out of their way to do things with Hanabi, the girl who's like 15, that have gotten very, very... I wouldn't say they're going all the way, but it's getting pretty close to being really, really graphically sexual. And that's just Hanabi, the main character. And say whatever say whatever you want about cultural norms in Japan, the hypersexualization of a 15-year-old girl in high school by guys and by girls is not cool in my book. There is a character that is Hanabi's childhood best friend because this is an anime that uh that is a girl, Hanai, uh and there is a scene in an episode where those two are lying in bed together and Hanai kind of takes advantage of her. And also there's a scene where Hanabi kind of takes advantage of Mugi. And there are things going on in this anime with some of the other characters, like the school teacher, who Mugi, the dude, is the one who is in love with, where we find out she is absolutely horrifying, because she is someone that is only getting boys and men attracted to her simply to hurt other people. And to see them hurt and devastated and heartbroken. That's how she gets off. That is so messed up. Mm -hmm. And everything about this show so far. No one on this show has any real qualities that would make you feel sorry for them. Uh, You could say that some of them, Hanabi to a certain degree could be considered sympathetic only because they've over-sexualized her so much. Uh, she's been in a couple of fairly risque scenes in this anime already. Uh, given that the show has so many kind of romantic strings going all in a bunch of different directions, you're kind of intrigued to see where it will go but at the same time, you're not really rooting for anything. There is no shipping in this show. It, it's really the opposite of everything that you would expect from a typical teenage high school romantic comedy. Um, usually each episode's second act is a bit more lighthearted, but the show generally is pretty dark. And it's... It's not a show with people you can root for. I would almost say that it's almost starting to look like, I'm not entirely sure how long this show will be, but it's starting to look like the two main characters, rather than just being with each other out of convenience, 
they might end up actually start feeling having feelings for one another, but I'm not holding myself to that because that would almost be too corny and too cheesy and too schmaltzy of an ending. But this is a show that's getting a lot of talk that I've seen and a lot of discussion. And I think if you want to keep in the loop with the show that people are talking about, I think Scum's Wish is the one. All right. You know, uh, you made a comparison to School Rumble uh, with the love dodecahedron and everybody being absolutely moronic as compared to uh, what sounds like uh, a cast that is Japan's answer to uh, America's Breaking Bad. I would maybe, just from the sake of everybody being so so nasty and so uh, so vile, perhaps uh, maybe comparing it to maybe a really nasty, mean spirited, uh, and even chilling version of Ronma One Half, which also features the original. I'd say OG represent love dodecahedron. So uh, if you really, uh, really, really want some chills running down your spine from terrible humanity, would you can and you're maybe maybe a fan of what Ranma One Half has started, David? Would you consider Scum's Wish out there for people? Yes, I would. I would also recommend Scum's Wish to people that have a rather strong dislike towards typical tropey high school slice of life anime. If you dislike those shows, Scum's Wish might be a show you'll enjoy because it really deconstructs all of the characters that you see from those types of anime. So I think that might be another recommendation. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I know that you tend to also give just a couple of casual lines on Twitter and Tumblr and the likes. So, Dave, where can the nice listeners find your opinions on the intranets? Well, right here on the anime podcast of some sort, which you can subscribe to in iTunes, in Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be aggregated. Or you can just check out the old school RSS feed at DeltaJulietMike.com, baby. But if you Heck feel yeah. so inclined as to follow me on social media, just about all of them are just call me DJM. You heard it here first. Give it a shot and your social media of choice and give him a follow because it is honestly a really entertaining thing. I just spend an afternoon scrolling through that business because there's some good stuff in there. Uh, as for I'm myself, sorry. I have a little bit. I'm so sorry. Here. Are are you sorry? I think you yes, should be I proud. Am. I'm I'm terribly sorry. I <laughs> I have a Twitter addiction and it's a problem. Uh, I do not, but I also have a Twitter and I have a number of other things. And uh, before I list them off, I just want to uh, implore our listeners: I am an artist by trade. I have a part time job, but that part time is becoming an even smaller and smaller piece of the pie as it were. And there's no real reason given, and I am negotiating as best I can, but I also 
kind of need money for goods and services, as we all do. And I understand it can be tough to pay for entertainment or for pretty pictures or any kind of other things, but I am here and I am definitely not busy and I can certainly use your help if you'd like it. So if you need some awesome art with some excellent coloring, excellent skill, good stuff, good stuff, doing my best to be uh, not so modest as usual here, or maybe you want maybe uh, kind of a short story of, you know, almost any type of uh, genre or subject that you could want. That's always negotiable. I also have that on offer. And you can look on uh, my tag on Tumblr, which is Jack Writes. You can look at some examples that I've done on commission. And uh, I also do some audio stuff now, now that I've got uh, kind of figured finally, after all these years, I've figured out Audacity. I am starting to do voice acting requests and song covers. And so if you need art or music or writing, you know who to call. And that would be at Jack D, Tyler D on Twitter. That would be Dr. Junkenstein, I presume, hyphenated through that. Dr. Hyphen Junkenstein, J-U-N-K-E-N-S-T-I-N hyphen I hyphen presume at tumblr.com and you can also find more immediate look of and references of my artwork that I have done most recently at Jack the Artiste that's Jack the Artist with an additional E at the end on te Instagrams so if any of that is something that you might want or need and you have a little bit of extra cash burning in your pocket you would be doing me the most solid and substantial of solids so please consider that listeners and uh thank you very much for listening to the anime podcast of some sort we will talk to you sweetly with our special guest next week until then sayonara konnichiwa bitches thanks for listening (laughs) 